welcome back to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. I am Justin, and as always, I am joined by... Coffee Time Beth. Green Sam. And I'm Caleb. And I'm Caleb. Hi, Caleb. Hi, Caleb. Hi, Caleb. <laughs> He's multiplying. Is your just getting filled with clones? You don't have that much room in there. I, I, I legally am not allowed to say what's going on here, but... <laughs> Shut Understood. Up. Yeah, we're Understood. all good. We'll, we'll say no more. <laughs> During our very standard process of recording exactly one episode per week to release to you at exactly one episode per week, uh, it is an early morning here on Always Another Podcast, and we are all in peak form, I assure yeah. you. <laughs> that hard-hitting analysis will be um, particularly random today. I don't know. I'm pretty awake. But I got the extra hour, baby. <laughs> Thanks, time zones. The one time that's ever been said. <laughs> God, I hate time zones. Anyway, this book. <laughs> anyway, do you think they have different time zones across o- Opalon? I bet Worf- Wern Wolfden is trying to make it so there's only one time zone, which I suppose is one positive thing to come out of his reign. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we are continuing Elantris today, uh, chapters 5 through 8. We started... Th- there's a couple of, of interesting points in each each time we read a book, and I feel like the second episode is weirdly one of them, where we actually have like something to, to build off of, and then we get to go back and read more. So yeah, so here we are. We had met our three characters last time, and now they actually start interacting. In, Doing in chapters things. five through eight, yeah, <laughs> yes, advancing the plot. So yeah, we are uh, the the number of four chapter chunks that we're going to do means that we're going to see each character and then one of them twice. Uh, so uh, this week it is uh, Serene who we get to start and end this section with. Uh, and I think we can go ahead and therefore start with Serene in chapter five. Looking at Hrathen's blood red armor. Mm-hmm. Oh, another count. <laughs> there it is. Hey guys, I don't like Serene. You, she, a... <laughs> she's so memorable. I'm sorry, I don't like Serene. Maybe I'll learn to like Serene. I am in a, a a spot of I don't dislike her, but I was. And maybe this will change throughout the book. I was hoping we would get a good amount of her just being smart and political, like on the surface level. And a lot of her character so far has been, I'll play dumb. That's a good trick. And to her credit, it's kind it's kind of working, but <laughs> I I wish there was more to it than that bit. And so far that's been her main go-to thing, which I, I will admit is not my favorite. I will say the happy and stupid Socratic method is a legit tactic if you're trying to get something out of somebody, but it's also a really cheap trick. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's like, okay, I don't know. Try, <laughs> don't try a new strategy because it's working. Uh, whatever. You know, fall upward, <laughs> but uh, but I want to see her be cool. That's all. Do you think being obnoxious and... Uh, obsequious like that is part of the reason that Socrates got murdered. 
did he do it? Did he did he call a Plato hunk of Plato? Hunky Pla- <laughs> Actually, it probably would have been reverse. Plato was definitely the younger one of those two, right? Uh, I don't know. Greece. When I'm doing my dishes, I say, look at this ancient Greece. An an ancient civilization that, well, there is still a Greece today, but ancient Greece is an ancient civilization that is no longer around, much like Elantra's. Yeah, Yeah. we're back, segways. Segway. In the throne room. Yeah, we are. Everyone's favorite. (laughs) We are back in the throne room. And uh, like I mentioned, we have our, our main characters interacting. Uh, because Serene is here in court again, because it's just a place that she finds interesting. And Hraithan is making his first visit to King Iodon and to the, the kind of court of uh, uh, of the city of Kay. Uh, and he is uh, he's making a, a, uh, a demand. It is it is put politely. But uh, he is is requesting that uh, King Idon himself convert to the religion of Shudareth, which is an which is a, a sect of the religion he already is a part of because he believes in Shu Korath, right. which is the same god as Shu Kesig, but a different version of the god. Yes, it's all very simple. It's this, yeah. <laughs> we can snark about this, but also, like, this does happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, I, 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 I'm I, in the same place I was episode one of, I'm invested, and I want to learn more about the world, and I am excited, but I do also definitely still feel like a geek when I read sentences like, that is a full Gior, Nash. There are only 20 of them in the entire Fjordel Empire. There may be some Dorethi believers in K, but not enough to warrant a visit from a high priest. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of words here. But Yorn is in italics. It's a you full know it's important. Yorn. <laughs> a fucking Gjorn, Ash. This ain't no kid's game. <laughs> I would like to read a lot better if that line was, this is a fucking Gjorn, Ash. <laughs> That's our F-bomb for this book. <laughs> you get one. Uh, yeah, Gjorn sounds like a Star Trek creature, which does not help things. Oh. In fact, it's one letter away from a Star Trek creature, I'm realizing. That's true. So, yeah, so Hraithen has made his appearance to the court. Uh, his his position is that uh, the, the the people uh, of this uh, this kingdom should convert uh, and they should be led by their king uh, so that Iodon, Iodon should publicly uh, worship uh, Shudareth. And the king is, the king doesn't really care about this uh, in a way that seems like he's not, like, you could not care about this and 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 be forceful and and, like, firm about that. But he doesn't care about this just because he doesn't care. <laughs> Seems to be his attitude about a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Iodon not uh, making a good showing so far. I would say he's got a lot on his plate, but then he's got, like, the one meeting with the the two uh, 
you know, landowners who are like, whose kids are like, that seems small potatoes to me. So yeah, it's, he feels like he has a lot on his plate, but every time we see him, he's not really doing very much. <laughs> he's like pointing at some ledgers in this one, I think. <laughs> very busy. Yeah, I'm glad that we're we're not quite there yet, but in this section, they do a loud wonder, like, how did this guy become king? Because he sucks. Because <laughs> I was wondering the same thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely not a not a great showing from from Iodon thus far. I am amused at, at the end of this scene. I am amused by the uh, brief tension between uh, drama and and potential realism, where Serene is noting that Krathen is is very imposing with his armor and his cape, and you know he he turns around and the cape is swooshing behind him and she she's like oh i hope he trips on it and then he doesn't <laughs> but but it's like yeah it it's not the most practical of of uh of outfits i love that moment it's so petty she's like keeps thinking about how she's ready to match wits with this man for the souls of the kingdom and then is also like just like trip on your cloak a little bit it'll eat be shit, funny eat shit yeah <laughs> It's also during here, I like this other uh, note about kind of fantasy drama versus realism, uh, where she's remarking on the the armor that Hraithan is wearing, which is is like apparently the kind of a uniform that they, they should be wearing. But she says, you know, no, nobody like actually walks around in full plate armor. So it's 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 probably ceremonial, but it, at least it's cool. <laughs> cosplaying as a soldier <laughs> oh uh my notes here uh when Hraithan storms out and he looks behind him dramatically and catches serene's eye uh sees she's tall sees her hair is blonde but not yellow sees she's not embroidering is confused and leaves <laughs> what woman could be not embroidering it's very I memorable that she's not doing that it's like not being <laughs> on a boat what oh <laughs> theater references but yeah uh to the to the point of king Idon not seeming very uh on top of things uh for the reader's benefit and also for for ash's benefit uh serene gives kind of a, a rundown of the the political situation here and what uh, what she thinks is that this is a this is a dangerous situation that uh, the fact that Hraithan is here means that the uh, the Fjordal Empire is is quite serious here and this could be a real threat to the safety of of Opalon and and the the people here and so she resolves to start the main plot I guess uh, in that. <laughs> Uh, she has decided that basically like partially out of political and and like sake of the country thing but also just because she thinks it would be fun is going to attempt to uh match wits with with Rathen and try to to counteract his his efforts here it's just kind of attaching herself to different issues and then detaching as as uh, the case may be my husband was maybe murdered. Eh, there's a priest. I think it'd be fun to fuck with him. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure she'll come back to the boyfriend being murdered thing, but she sure doesn't think about it very much in this section. 
yeah, that does seem like it would be uh, pressing. Like, hard to take your mind off of. But uh, shortly after, she is... Uh, uh, she has a, 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 a bit of a conflict with the king. Uh, we get the first instance of her um, playing up the the image that Iodon expects of her of you know she she doesn't she doesn't know anything here nobody told her these things you know how could she be expected to understand the the complex rules of the court and uh, you know I I also do agree that this this does wear a bit it goes it's like a five line exchange and by the end of it serene is putting a quaver in her voice as if she were on the brink of crying it's like is there is there no other way that you can get what you need out of this yeah i yeah <laughs> um i i feel like serene uh, bef- before we started elantris i was like parts of this book feel a little bit clunky and i feel like serene's characterization is one of those things like, it feels very strongly like Brandon was like, I'm going to write a strong female character, TM, and she's going to be, like, really smart, and she'll only play into feminine stereotypes when she's, like, using it to manipulate someone else. But it just kind of comes across as weird. But then, <laughs> but then that's pretty much all she does. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we we are early in the book, but... I know, but it's, uh, yeah. it happens several times within these four chapters. Um yeah. And so. Ash is like, I'd never see the, I've never thought I'd see the day when you of all women gave in to a feminine stereotype. Okay. <laughs> you you strong, you strong woman who doesn't give in to stereotypes. We haven't seen that happen yet because you keep doing it, but it's very out of character for you. Yeah, you're not like the other girls because you're smart. Oh God. <laughs> Well, anyway. <laughs> uh, I think fortunately for us, we are uh, interrupted by a uh, the appearance of a new character, uh, and it's quite the appearance, uh. because uh, we we have somebody dramatically arriving on the scene, being loud and and large, uh, and 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 uh, Serene's immediate reaction is, "Who is this? I, I I think I should know who this is, but I've got no idea. Please help." <laughs> And we also, we're, we're early enough in a branded book that Sam and I don't know exactly how things work, but we also get Ash mentioning, my memory isn't what it used to be, which is, like, just interesting insight for me, because it means he's not a computer. He's like a, he, he can forget things, um, which we still don't know exactly what the deal with Seons is, so that is, that is insight to be noted. But it's Hunky K. <laughs> it, it sure is. <laughs> Because for a weirdly long time, uh, she refers to uh, Uncle Keen by her name that she came up when she was five or whatever. <laughs> Listen, I I relate to this scene both in terms of who is this person? I've forgotten them. They're a relative who's like, I haven't seen you since you were that tall. And I'm like, that's great. Who are you? <laughs> And also getting stuck in a nickname. Like, I accidentally stole my best friend's, like, dear sisterly nickname for her six- sister and just, like, call her by a very... Dimi- <laughs> I call my best friend's sister by a very diminutive name because I didn't know that it was just her sister's thing. 
but I only hung out with her sister, so I only ever heard her referred to. Anyway, I feel seen in these pages. (laughs) (laughs) Now I can't stop calling her the diminutive name, because then it seems rude. Even I have trouble with this, with the exact same people we're talking about, because, yes, when the sister is not around, that is the name that is used. (laughs) I just try to avoid using her name. (laughs) (laughs) Do not refer to her. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I think that's a noteworthy note. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm uh I think I'm on Sam's side here who has uh has decided that the repeated usage of hunky K uh deserves the uh the labeled spook spray bottle. <laughs> it's a rule of storage. We need 3 in there <laughs> in one page. I think it's weird that she called well, uh, maybe I he is her uncle, I guess, but he's Rayodin's friend. Either Rayodin is much, much older than her, or Rayodin is well. I guess he's like part of the to kind of political Elland-esque group that Rayodin is part of. So right, I, uh, yeah, it actually. I think Elland actually set my expectations to be different than they were because yeah, I also assumed that all of his friends would be you know high school slash college aged uh you know down with the system folks and then yeah here we have a a, in comparison to that much older gentleman um who was not who i expected so when the the name keen came up i was like oh 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 he's the guy he's one of the guys so yeah we are going to divert from the uh the, the court of arlon here to uh go visit with uncle keen which is i think mostly just a fun time we get mm-hmm. to meet the family. Get to meet a lot of the family. We get to meet a lot of the family. <laughs> there's there's quite a few of them. We are peppered with family members. Yeah, it is not... I don't know if it's intentionally funny, but, like, how many times another person comes out of a doorway and Serene goes, well, who's this? And they have to explain <laughs> their exact family interaction mm-hmm. and when they joined the family. <laughs> It, it reminded me of a scene from uh, the direct-to-video movie Aladdin 3, uh, King <laughs> oh of <boy>. Thieves. <laughs> yeah, deep, deep pulls here. But, uh, but there's a part <laughs> where, where Genie is just, like, um, uh, announcing guests to a wedding. And he's like, oh, everybody's here. Oh, look, it's Caesar, and he brought a salad. Oh, look, who, what's your name? I'm Thor. You're Thor? Well, it hurts. Uh, it's like it's just an endless parade of like people like <laughs> I, I i had to put casting aside for a second just write down their names at first <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh it's quite a bit so we have uh we have uncle keen uh we have his wife deora who is not one of Rayodin's friends no yeah <laughs> no. we don't even know if Rayodin knows her name <laughs> and that's not even the wife that he referred to by not her name. Yep. We meet her in a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we then have uh, uh, Case and Deorn. Uh, the the other thing that happens is, and like I'm sure this would be a thing that would happen with real languages and real cultures too, where. Languages have patterns. Names in particular have have patterns where you have like names that are built off of other names. But we don't know any of that. 
and so we have Deora and her son Deorn. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So we have those two. Uh, we then have Lukel, who I guess is a step cousin of Serene, and then Lukel's wife, who does have a name. She's got a name. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Here is is Jala. Yeah, and and they have. You know, th- this is a this is a big family with like a bunch of a, a bunch of different moving pieces, for lack of a better term. Like, there's people from all different parts of the world. There's there's people who are related to each other or are partially related to each other. And Serene is Serene is like, great. How do I like? I need to meet all of these people now. <laughs> yeah. This chapter not only in terms of uh, introduce new family members. But has an absurd amount of the exact same thought process from Serene of, but what? Hunky K would never have done that. I can't believe this. My uncle Keen is doing this. And like, first it's getting married, then it's having kids, then it's having an old kid, then it's cooking, and like every single time she's like, but that's so unlike what I would have expected from him. And it's like you last knew him when you were eight or something. So yeah. so yes, he has changed. Um. There's kind of tonal whiplash between Serene chapters and other chapters. Uh, Serene's chapters, uh, they read like a wrinkle in time. Like, this is a children's book. As evidenced by the fact that Keen, you know, it, uh, uh, where is it? I have each dish cooking on a precise schedule. It would be impossible for one to... The large man trailed off, sniffing the air. Then he swore and barreled out of the room. Oh, it's a children's book. Oh... It is a, a little bit uh, of a different mood than the rest of it. I will, I will give you that. It's very silly. Although, actually, uh, speaking of of um, children's books, I was reading some of uh, the annotations because we do have Brandon's annotations for this book as well, uh, and he was talking about the the children, um, you know, De, uh, Deorn and Kays in particular, and he said. This was somewhat of his uh, reaction to uh, books that he had had read in sci-fi and fantasy that have these these children characters who are are brilliant and and part of the main plot and and all that. Uh, and we see through through this chapter, uh, they the kids are very smart. They are also kids and are obnoxious and don't have world experience and and are are you know are are still young young children and so he he wanted to say yes you can you can have like prodigy children but they are also still children which like is true but then they are obnoxious to read about a, a little bit it was uh the comparison i made was uh, to Lillian Todney from Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. Because it's just like oh talking about fantasy. Ta- or not fantasy, family. Talking about the family. Oh, look at us. We're we're a big family. We're, uh... Anyway, let's let's keep going. Keen's a cook. <laughs> he is. Yeah, because Jindo food, which is also called Haiko, uses Maipon sticks. And how embarrassing. Serene doesn't know how to use them. Oh my gosh, how gauche. It's just embarrassing. <laughs> that was the moment, like, we've been making fun of the amount of vocabulary TM, 
and for the most part, I was like, okay, it's a bit denser than Mistborn, but it's not like, it's not that bad. But when we got to my pawn sticks, I was like, okay, <laughs> it's, it's going to be okay, Brandon. We don't need to name the sticks. <laughs> At the very least, we do find out what Haiko is, which is we get confirmed shrimp in this world. <gasps> yeah. Stop it. It's always exciting. <laughs> Listen, the point I was making in, in, in uh, what was it, Well of Ascension, was that we had not seen a single animal or, like, heard of them at all. And it was a totally different world. And I was like, are there animals? And then animals showed up. That was great. But, like, here, it, like, there's animals. We know about them. We're getting ahead of the no animal allegations. <laughs> I don't know if we've seen a living animal yet, though. Yeah, that is true. Maybe they're just food. Maybe they just appear as food. <laughs> uh, we also have our introduction to uh, the last member of the family, uh, Aiden, which is almost just a, a a name. Is that how Aiden is normally spelled? I think it's spelled differently. Oh, it's usually A-I-D-E-N is how right. I usually see it. And I will tell you, in this book, far more than in Mistborn, my autocorrect on my notes app uh is really convinced that none of these words are real and i was <laughs> checking my notes and like had to reread them and go alien who's the al- oh a dn okay little like i mean he's doing some weird stuff he's doing some weird stuff yeah he is uh he is a, a bit of an outlier here and he he tells us that it is 2,106,238 steps to Sforden, which is a long way. How do we measure steps, though? Come on, That's Beth, you can't eat. standard measurement. Yes. How do we measure Seconds a year, too? In hey, we're both headed there. Uh, we're of one mind. So once we have, uh, once we've gotten through uh, most of dinner... Uh, we get some more uh, some more history because Serene is, is trying to get a sense for how things run here, is briefly baffled by there being no staff, which, come on. <laughs> but we we learn about what happened uh, in the, the Riyadh, which uh, Keen gives us some more detail on this of... We, we've heard about what happened to Elantris and the Elantrians, uh, but it also had very rapid and actually violent consequences for kind of the, the structure of the country as well, uh, because there was there were riots that some 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 probably came from people saying that that Elantrians were were treated too well and now that they had fallen that was like revealing that that they were were not worth it uh but then there's also just people afraid of what was happening and so the uh yeah the it it did not go well for the country i just picture people like massacring Elantrians while screaming at how terrifying and weird they look <laughs> ah ah kill it kill it while those Elantrians also don't die. That was I was interesting that he did specifically use the phrase they were killing Elantrians, which means either they thought they were killing them and they weren't, they just were incapacitating them and they the Elantrians were still surviving, 
or lanterns can be killed and we still just need to figure out how yeah yeah i just i did i did note that and think that was very interesting but it seems like the the riots were based on the fact that elantrians like centered around elantrians specifically and not like a class riot specifically so it's weird to me that Keen and Deora are like, well, we won't have servants because they might rise up against us. But they weren't they weren't rising up against like the upper class. They were rising up against these things that turned freaky. Right. These <laughs> these magical beings that seem to be set apart from humans entirely. Right. Yeah. Also, I gotta say, I don't love the justification of like, oh you don't have servants? Oh, of course you don't have servants. And I'm like, oh, that's cool because we're worried they're going to kill us. It's like, okay, maybe you can just okay. like not have servants because put, like forcing people to be in these lower class situations is not great. <laughs> yeah, and then specifically, the servants started the revolution. Some say it was because the lower class in Elantris was treated too well. Either way, the servants are the ones who did the most damage. Like, I know we're looking at this from the perspective of a bunch of nobility, but bro <laughs> lay off <laughs> yeah you can't treat your servants too well or they'll get angry at you <laughs> well uh we we do have to leave the uh the class politics aside for now uh for the kids to get distracted by uh succession and titles which fair that's complicated uh and then by the appearance of Ash, which I, I think this would be accurate in that the children are very interested in the floating glowing orb that can talk. <laughs> and Kay's asks if she can play with Ash. What does that even mean? How? I, I don't know, but as a little kid, yeah, I see something shiny and moving around and talking. And I'm like, I, I want to I, I wanna see what this thing is all about. It's the same thing of, like, when you're really little and you steal your mom's phone and, you know, we are over the generation that our parents probably didn't have any, like, super fun games on there, but you're still holding the phone and it's like, this is exciting. <laughs> My dad's phone had Snake on it. It was great. Ooh. Nice. Oh, yeah. Played it with the little four-button D-pad. Yep. Justin and I's mom had one of those Razer flip phones, but it was bright pink, so she was really cool. Oh, yeah, I, I do remember that, yeah. That's objectively cool. <laughs> you know, the Razor actually was, like, cool. Like, let's acknowledge that. <laughs> yes, I stand by it. <laughs> anyway, uh, that is pretty much the end of our uh, Serene chapter. We will be uh, seeing one more at the end of this section. Uh, but for now, it is time to, uh, yeah, to have a significant mood shift as we go to Hraithen. That, that about sums him up. <laughs> yeah. Time for a significant mood shift. Uh, for uh, audio clip reasons, I'm not going to say this name, but uh, <laughs> I thought it was funny. Thanks, H.P. Lovecraft, for making really racist names. Yeah, I've, uh, I, I think it is true that none of us want to say this name, but there is an entity in the Lovecraft universe that definitely does have uh, a, a name with, a, with another word in the middle of it that's not fun to say. Um, and as someone who is brainstorming a Call of Cthulhu uh, role-playing game, that entity will sure not be appearing in uh, in, <laughs> in my campaign. No, nope. 
Here's a hint. First word, shub, and then a hyphen. Yes, that if you are, if you are very, very curious, that will give you all the information you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I am very much not familiar with Lovecraft and the specific names that he uses, so I saw that you had typed that, and the just deep fear filled my heart <laughs> of the conversation we were about to have to have. No. Um, but yeah, Hraithan notes that Iodon's not going to convert to our sub-sub-sect. There's yeah, no hope for him. There's no hope. <laughs> Time to conquer. <laughs> so this is also, this is a good good time to just clarify there's there's shu dareth and there's shu korath who are both aspects of shu keseg i is domi the same thing as all three of those is that just like a catch-all term uh yes i don't know if the terminology is the same uh but i believe that the uh the the god of of the the yeah I think so. Okay. Okay. And then Jadith is a sleeping, super powerful entity beneath the earth that this religion is trying to wake up. But from the way they talk about it, appears to not be the god that everyone else is talking about. Yeah, no, that is a that is a different thing. Also, I, I did just check on uh the Coppermind. I do not think that Shudareth actually acknowledges uh Domi. I was, as soon as I said that, I was going to start examining Hraithan chapters to see if he ever actually says says that. So that is interesting, but alas. Dilof is still fucking here. Was he supposed <laughs> to follow Fionn? Uh, yeah, he was supposed to. I think he did that and then came back. He did it really fast. <laughs> Maybe he took him to the boat, I guess? I think his, his objective was make sure that Fionn actually does get on the boat. So okay. after that, all done, I guess. But yeah, he is he is back, and it's it's really interesting because we see we get to see from Prathen's point of view, and he is you know, from what we've seen so far, he's a you know he's a true believer. He he does think that you know not just for political reasons, but he he wants to convert these people to believe in the things that he does because he thinks it's right and then that just escalates so much with with Dilof who is for lack of a better term a fanatic so yeah we're we're opening this chapter with uh Hraithan is is kind of thinking through his his plans for now we we are actually going to have to uh he, he thinks he's going to have to convert the people of the country kind of out from under the king uh which which may turn violent uh which he doesn't he doesn't necessarily want he he saw the the, the Duladel revolution uh and does not want to repeat that which again i think is such an interesting like perspective for this again we're early in the book but appears to be very antagonistic uh character actively not wanting things to get super violent he's hoping that this can be a fairly peaceful transition despite the fact that he seems like a pretty horrible person there's still like an aspect to him of like i hope this works out well i don't i don't want it to get violence i don't want it to get bloody right it really I, i said it last episode but it really sells you on the fact that 
even if he's kind of a bad guy, he very much fully believes in what he's doing. And it's not just a, a facade that he puts on so that he gets to control power. Um, he like, no, he, he really believes in this. We also see uh, his side of the, of our main characters kind of interweaving plot lines uh, because he also did notice Serene there uh, and Dilaf fills him in on the details of she is married to Raiden, she's from Tiad, uh, and he has some concerns about this. He thinks that this is a, a potential tie between Arlon and, and Tiad, uh, which is which is concerning. Uh, and so he wants to to keep an eye on that. And we will definitely see the two of them cross paths. And after that, we have uh, a visit to the city of Elantris. Yeah, so after this, Hraithan uh, and Dilof are going to visit the city of Elantris itself. And this is something that uh, we did see on the, uh, the map of Elantris, uh, is that these, these giant walls around the city uh, have stairs on the outside. So you can just go right up to the wall top and, and take a look. Go take a look. <laughs> now that's hubris. Yeah. We are so invincible that we don't care if you ascend our walls. Yeah, no, it, it, it makes for an interesting kind of statement on what are the walls for? Because they're clearly not a defensive structure, at least not really. Yeah, I have... We can wait till theory section, but yes, the fact that there are stairs on the outside and not the inside is kind of whack. Hraithan mm -hmm. <laughs> is judging the 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 defenses here. Uh, he sees uh, the Elantris city guard, uh, and this time it's it's him who is saying this is all very ceremonial and not actually effective. They have these kind of large decorative spears. That uh, yeah, this is this isn't a an actual military guard in his mind, and so yeah, he he is looking at Elantris and and sees Elantris and and Aralon as a whole as pretty defenseless. I just think it's funny to think of like they're on top of a wall and they have spears that are too heavy to throw, spears which are weapons for people like charging you like. The defensive assumption, then, that we're led to believe is either A, this is purely decorative, or B, they're expecting people to charge to the top of the wall <laughs> and fight them. Get them! Uh, get those guys! We gotta wipe out everybody! We also have Hraithan just dip way into the world of metaphors, because he goes, Erlon was a ripe jewel waiting to be pillaged. And then two paragraphs later, I don't know why this one was so funny to me, but then he goes... The nation was an egg, but not just an egg. The egg is balanced on the peak of a mountain, waiting for a breeze to plunge it to the hard ground below. <laughs> Erlon as egg on mountain. Brandon as metaphor genius. <laughs> what is the egg? It can just be on a table, Hraithan. You don't have to imagine it on a mountain. It's an egg. It's on a mountain, though. It's, it's going to break if it falls like three feet. It doesn't need to be on the mountain. <laughs> I just picture Brandon writing that and going, yes, nailed it. <laughs> and then uh, we have Dilaf, who deeply, deeply hates Elantris. He hates them quite a bit. Yeah. 
somewhat concerningly so. We always love a good, unprompted, I hate X thing, just out of nowhere. <laughs> That's always a good sign for someone's, like, you know, yeah. ability to compose themselves and mental stability. Always, always great. Oh my god. If I were for Ethan, I'd, I'd be like, okay, you know what, never mind. You're not an artist anymore. <laughs> Sam, as long as he keeps the passion focused in the right direction, it's going to be fine. Oh, it's always going to be focused in the right direction. <laughs> I'm sure. No danger there. But we do actually have some conversation and some some expanding on that here. Starting with, with Hraithan having the uh, somewhat ominous thought of uh, the first step to taking control of a nation is to find someone for them to hate, which is a little disturbingly accurate. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we, we get to hear about the uh, the kind of Fjordel view of Elantris as Raythan says, okay, tell me tell me what what has happened here. Tell me how this how how the people have, seen elantris also before we get too far away i just want to like i hope brandon was okay when he wrote this chapter i he might have been feeling bad or off his game because they're at the top of a big castle-esque wall and we don't get any krennels or merlins maybe they don't have any you'd only need those if you wanted to hide behind them and shoot back that's true but they do have raised parapets for safety which is good yeah yeah osha's here <laughs> Elantris Osha approved. <laughs> I mean, actually, though, that's that's not true. We see next chapter. It's a horrifically dangerous place, in particular with very mundane safety hazards. The walls of Elantris Osha approved. I'll give you that one. <laughs> so yeah, we have uh, we have Diloph talking about how uh, he how he saw the Elantrians how. Uh, and, and this is something I think that is, is interesting to remember is that Dioff is from Aralon. Uh, you know, he, he, I don't know if he was born like specifically here, but he's grown up here and, and converted to, to Shudareth. So it's, it's interesting that he's the one who is giving this, this very vivid, passionate description of how the, the Elantrians were in his mind, these, kind of i don't know overlords like they they were they they were perfect and pristine yes but they were they were beyond everyone else and they kept control over everyone else i thought it was interesting for uh uh and asks Diloff, you know dish on the elantrians foul loathsome makes my heart feel sick mind feel tainted pray for their destruction every day these are not attributes and i was like what the hell and then Hraithan points out, to his credit, those are not attributes. Right. <laughs> Thank like, you. I, I, I understand that you hate them, but I asked you about them. You made that abundantly clear. <laughs> we also double down on the information I was talking about, where after the Riyadh, Diloph says, there were a few Elantrians left. Most had been killed in the riots. Those remaining were confined to Elantris. Which definitely makes it sound like you can kill Elantrians. Yeah, that... Uh... We'll have to keep an eye out for that in our chapters in Elantris, perhaps. So it turns from uh, from there, from the facts about what happened in the, the Riyadh, to uh, 
trying to kind of see how the Elantrians fit in the uh, the the doctrine of Shudereth then. Uh, and Diloff says that uh, the the Elantrians had they're they're kind of faking all of it to to give this aura of of divinity. Uh, and and Hraithan says, well, they people still are transformed, and that that that's a real thing. But we then have uh, a how how Hraithan is apparently seeing this. Uh, in that we have a, another very weird Fjordal vocab word, uh, the Sfrakis. Love some some consonant clusters there. <laughs> Who in in the uh, the tenets of Shudareth, these are uh, kind of vengeful ghosts. These are are souls of people who who opposed Jadeth and that they could they, they could like possess bodies and do evil things and so Hraithan is saying that this is is how Shudareth sees the people of Elantris is that they they must be Zrakis which makes them evil and worthy of destruction and then there's like a weird interaction where I was expecting Diloff to be all on board with that because that gives him a reason to A, hate the Elantrians more and B, explain how they can appear to do magic. But Diloff's response is like, that's not, you don't believe that, do you? That's bullshit. <laughs> and then Hraithan, in all of his infinite wisdom, talking to this incredibly fanatical member of the faith goes, yeah, it doesn't really matter if it's true. We'll just lie to the people and that'll work. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh it's very like upfront with that fact. And that seems like something that's pretty important. But that is uh that is where we like we leave off here with Hraithan saying that this is this is what we will say. Uh we have a we we have our I guess our story is that the the people of Elantris have become these these demons and that is something that needs to be destroyed and that is how we will that is what we'll say to the people of Arlon doubling down on the thing you said earlier the the chapter ends with uh hate can unify people more quickly and more fervently than devotion ever could which is a very well written line and a very depressingly uh, true uh, statement uh, oftentimes uh, and a very ominous way to leave things. Yeah, no, uh, things that, that read perhaps a little differently in 2023 than they do in 2006. Not that it was, you know, out of the question in 2006, but uh, certainly today uh, feels a little different. Yeah. So as we, we finish our Hraithan chapter, we're going to have another mood shift uh, as we are going to the city of Elantris, which is terrible and awful. Uh, but we also have magic being done kind of almost. Yeah. <laughs> this was, I, this was something that I was interested by as to how this was going to go down uh, in our episode zero. Sam, you mentioned you were just kind of flipping through and you happened to land on a page of 
someone just casually, you know, quote unquote, doing magic. And I thought it was it was interesting that you know, that that was not what you were looking for. But the very next thing that happens when we return to this scene uh, is that we figure out that it doesn't work. <laughs> Oh, but Rayodin spends a whole day making sure. <laughs> Just to double check. <laughs> Maybe one of these will work. <laughs> Look, he just got, like, level one of magic powers. He's still, like, lighting up the air with his finger. I would spend a whole day figuring out what I can do with that, <laughs> if anything. Hey, Caleb. It's, it's really interesting to trace these geometric figures and have strange glowing lights appear, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, it is. Referencing the witness. Yes. Uh, yeah, well, see, my... I, I, I like that. I appreciate that. Um, I got very big Owl House vibes uh, from this magic system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, apologies that that was not, not, not my first go-to. But yeah, I definitely see it. Lines and dots sure is a, a thing to, to, to be keeping in mind here. It was really interesting to me. He mentions that um, every every single Aeon starts with straight line, curved line, dot. And I was like, well, hang on. We've already seen some of these symbols. And that doesn't sure have. check out. And then you look back. It's like, oh, no, they all do have that exact shape somewhere yep. in there. <laughs> Which is, I don't know, that's really, really cool. Some of them are a little harder to decipher than the others. I think the dot sometimes ends up overlapping with other things and, and can yeah, vanish. Yeah, part of a line. Feels yeah. like slight cheating, but I'll let it pass. <laughs> but yeah, as, uh, not really a spoiler, but as, as we progress through the chapters, every, I, I think every three chapters as our, our POVs cycle, uh, the the symbol that is at the beginning of the of the chapter by the the chapter number uh, will change, and we will see a whole a whole set of of aeons and the different designs that they that they make, and they're all very cool. I just I like the the actual designs. Yeah, and then the first one that we actually kind of learn about is the aeon ash, the ancient symbol for light. There you go. That's a a name we've heard before. Which does, like, that's very cool. I'm also like, okay, all of the Sions presumably give off some kind of light. So are they all named Ash? <laughs> or, yeah, wh- why does this one get to be named Light? <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the kind of weird twist here of the, the first scene in our fantasy book where our characters are learning magic is that it doesn't work. In that, as far as Raiden can tell, he's doing things right. There are glowing lines appearing in the air. He's able to to construct these these figures as they are supposed to be drawn, but then nothing happens. They just kind of fizzle out. It's uh, I don't know. I guess that's kind of an interesting twist. Is that the magic system is Bjorken in this book, for the moment at least? But yeah, according to according to Galadon. Uh, first of all, this this is all you have to do, quote unquote. The uh, Aeon Door has somewhat of a a reputation for its its complexity and kind of mystical stuff. Uh, but according to Galadon, if you are an Elantrian and you can do this at all, it is just a matter of uh, 
of, of getting the drawings right. You just have to learn to, to to get those those precisely correct, and it should just work. But not since the Riyadh. But not since the Riyadh. I gotta believe that back and forth has just been going on for the entirety of the day. <laughs> Just Rayodin drawing, like, they're supposed to do something. Yeah, not since the Riyadh. Not since the Riyadh. They're supposed to do something. Not since the Riyadh. They're supposed to do something. Not since the fucking Riyadh, Rayodin. (laughs) This is is a video game scene where you are just starting the same dialogue over and over and over again. Shepard Rex. Exactly. (laughs) Rex. Shepard. (laughs) <laughs> what a great scene. But yeah, he's uh, he's somewhat reluctant about it, but Galadon does also want to figure this out. Th- this is, as it eventually comes out, this is why he was willing to to bring Rayodin here to his, his kind of little secret stash. Uh, they, they have all these books here. Maybe there's something they can learn about Andor. They can figure out what what's wrong. And he thinks that that Rayodin can help him with that. We're we're going to try to get the magic back. Let's go get that magic, guys. Let's get this magic. <laughs> um, Through yeah, books. just a little detail that I don't have like a specific theory on, so I'm just going to point it out here. But Rayodin tries, quote unquote, his own Aeon, Aeon Rayo, which I assume just means like where his name comes from. But the fact that he considers it his own Aeon, I'm curious if, like, every single person has their special thing, um, or what exactly that means, or if it's just like, yeah, it's the first letter of my name, basically. Um, but it is four circles with one large square in the center, all five connected by lines, which is a shape we have seen before. It is indeed. Uh, I, I'm checking, uh, when we do eventually get to the, the Ars Arcanum at the end of the book... Uh, there is a full listing of all of the the known aeons, which is just like a whole bunch of cool diagrams, and I like them. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's there's Aeon Rayo, and it does in fact look like the uh, the city of Elantris and the the surrounding other cities. And also, yes, as far as I know, uh, him saying his aeon is just because it is part of his name. I, that makes sense, but is it would be weird to be like, I tried drawing my own letter, C. It's like, okay, that's, <laughs> I, I wouldn't call it that, but all right. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so far, there's, uh, there's nothing. Uh, there's also, we run into some of the, the very practical problems of the magic not working, in that it's getting dark, and Rayodin wants to, to have some light so they can continue reading. And Galadon has to remind him, the light was also magic. And it also doesn't work. Everything here is magic, <laughs> and none of it works. <laughs> but with, uh, with no progress on this front so far, uh, Rayodin is off for another task. They are returning to... The, the kind of gathering square at the the entrance to Elantris. Uh, and real quickly, we see technically our last linkage between our, our main characters in that uh, Rayodin does see Hraithen and, and <laughs> tries to figure out what's going on, but doesn't have any of the, the necessary info. What's going on over there? 
don't know. Some guy anyway. with with with, uh, with blood red armor. If we make it a very wide shot, they can share the screen together. <laughs> exactly. I really, legitimately, I would really love in if if and when we get an adaptation of this. I think it could work very well. I don't. I don't want comedy just for the sake of comedy. I think it would be like a legitimately fun moment to start with the Raven scene. He's giving the big speech. And then it just cuts to the incredibly wide shot. And then it shows um, Galadon and Raiden watching. And they're like, what do I think he's talking about? Yeah. It's me. And Who's then that it guy? cuts back to the speech. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think once more before the, the end of this, uh, the end of the segment, I believe that's in, in chapter eight, uh, where we have, uh, we have Serene seeing Rayodin for a distance. You know, who's that guy? I can't see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I understand the urge to be like, here's our different main characters and they've like clocked each other and they're they're like these are the important people, TM. It is funny that two of those interactions are just that person is very far away, but they feel important. Right. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. No unimportant person would wear bludgeoned armor. <laughs> true. So yeah, that is that's all we'll see from uh, from Raiden and Hraithan interacting for now, uh, and we we get to the next stage of Raiden's brilliant plan, uh, which is we're going to wait for someone new to come to Elantris, and there's a. Uh, I, I guess he's got nothing but time. He can wait. <laughs> and I, I guess we don't know how much time passes, but it seems like he doesn't have to wait that long. Yeah, no, I think he gets a little lucky here. But, like, in theory, it could have been, like, two entire days. I just like to pretend that the gate's open. Like, I'm gonna wait. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, down. within seconds. <laughs> they just fly open. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I intend to wait. Never mind. Let's go. <laughs> also, this whole sequence coming up is just one of those iterations of you could have told Galadon. This did not have to be a surprise. I know no. it's a surprise for the reader, but you didn't have to keep it a surprise from Galadon. <laughs> Especially if they did spend any amount of time waiting. Was Galadon just there like, so what are <laughs> we doing? You going to tell me? Like, we got time. I'll here. never tell. We're not doing anything. Uh, yeah, but but it's like it's been very much reiterated of like, hey, you can't, you should not even stub your toe here. You should be very, very careful. And Rayodin, who is trying to make friends, is like, hey, Galadon, surprise, sprint, chase through town. Let's go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah, here is uh, the, the plan being put into action. Is uh, Rayodin is is going to do the thing where he just pretends to know this person and and hopes that they just roll with it uh, and it, it does work at least for for a little bit uh because he it gives him the chance to close the distance and explain you need to do exactly what i say or you're going to get attacked right now and yeah the the plan is run for it which is not the the most well thought out plan i'm sorry especially as we've established <laughs> as elantrians where any tiny wrong slip will leave you in pain forever Traces the question: Does fatigue last forever? Because yeah, Raiden notices that he he he's not winded, 
but he is starting to get sore. And yeah, that would be miserable. So the, the clever plan uh, relies on the interior of Elantris having no OSHA compliance because they find a, a, a two-story building where the stairs are already in pretty poor shape. They scramble up top. Raiden pushes a, a big thing of bricks down uh, behind them and the stairs are gone, which to me what this feels like is this is a this is in a video game where you have you have advanced far enough that you cannot return and so like <laughs> the path breaks behind you it's like great i'm not going back now yeah there's a little cutscene of the character looking behind and going great guess i'm not going back that way and then exactly. turns back around <laughs> and the camera snaps back into place except you're on a rooftop right there's nowhere to go, go forwards either <laughs> nothing <laughs> And then you get the the prompt of your new objective, which is just wait. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, that would be a great like. I don't know if you guys know about like vine sauce and corruptions that he does, um, but he corrupts like video games, and uh, you know you can like mess with the code to do certain things, and often what you do is you just like roll the dice until it becomes funny, um, but you can like tweak certain things to get effects and i just want to picture like a video game corrupted so that you cross that bridge and then you're just like on a random island with no boat <laughs> yeah it's like teleported there and obviously in, in a t pose obviously yeah, yes. obviously of course i was trying to think of examples of our our little video game bit that we just described but all i could think of was the exact opposite in Assassin's, Assassin's Creed, Creed 2. Yep. Yep. Yes! Man, now I have a way to get back up if I fall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've forgotten that. Every oh, time. That's a good one. Yeah. But yes, that is the exact opposite of what has occurred here, where there is no way to, to get back up. Uh, yeah, and having been chased by this, this angry mob, they're now just gonna sit there because they have nothing but time. No, Bella Venezia. <laughs> the finest piece of voice acting in Assassin's Creed 2. That's incorrect. The finest piece of voice acting is It's a Me, Mario. <laughs> you're, you're correct. I'm sorry. There's a scene where Ezio is talking to Lorenzo de' Medici and he's like, hey, the Borgia are in Venice. The Bo they, like, they're going to ruin the town. It's going to be super bad. And his reaction is, no, La Bella Venezia. <laughs> it's, you are correct, though. My second favorite piece of voice acting in the game. <laughs> He's so invested in this city. You can tell from his passionate voice acting. <laughs> All right. With the, uh, the, the time to, to wait, uh, we get to meet the, the newcomer. This is, I'm going to say, Moreshi, I think. He's going Moresh. That also works. Maybe that's his name to his friends. Like, I'm Mareshi, but you can call me Mareshi. Exactly. If, <laughs> if, if you know me well, you get to drop that final vowel sound. But his, fa his father calls him Eshi. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> the apostrophe. And this guy is... He's a, he's a, bit, of a bit of a character. He's, uh, he's very proud of, of being a jeweler. And 
Uh, Raridan says, we don't have a lot of jewelry to be made here. What else can you do? Uh, <laughs> and, and he says, I'm a jeweler. I make jewelry. That's very important. Okay. Okay. But you're now a zombie in this decaying city that has no jewelry. So you're going to have to change things. I love that Galadon immediately starts beefing with this guy for no reason. Yeah, he really does. I think it's it's leftover salt from how dumb the plan was, and now he's like, oh, God, I, I have to keep complaining about something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, he seems a little bit full of himself. It's like, okay, like, you're an Elantris now. We have to retailor our expectations. But by the end of the scene, Galadon's like, I'm gonna punch this guy. <laughs> Yeah, no, he he threatens him. But uh Raiden's first first idea here uh is that if you're you're a craftsman, perhaps you can you can learn a, a slightly different talent, or a very different talent, I guess. Uh because we we don't need jewelry here, but we do need shoes. So could you make us shoes? Uh and I do kind of like the 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 bit of a of a gotcha here where Maresh is looks looks down on mere shoemaking and then Raoden starts to play it up of well you you need to get it absolutely perfect on the very first try or it wouldn't work and you probably couldn't do that you know <laughs> you, you haven't made shoes before and, and he's he's right back with oh i absolutely could <laughs> So, got him there. Again, again. despite being in a zombie apocalypse, I love how good Raven is at using his people skills. It's legitimately really <laughs> enjoyable. Here's a question. Would there be leather? I mean, considering the fact that they ate books? Right. They are going to need <laughs> to find some raw materials. And maybe Raven is just hoping here for, uh, for the, that they can find some leather or, or something. Presumably, like if it's if they can't find it anywhere, at the very least, Galadon's library probably has a couple of leather-bound books. Yeah, but as our as our chapter wraps up, uh, we we we're still the the mission objective is still wait because there's still an angry horde down below, and Raodin is trying his very best to be positive about it. Of you know, we're we're on this roof, we have this space, we can look up at the sky, it's a lovely day, and then it starts raining. <laughs> but you're missing a very important part. Already. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so... Go for Maresh it. Maresh starts to recognize Raodin, and Raodin says, no, shut up! You've never <laughs> seen me before in your life. <laughs> I'm but spirit. Then, but then also, yeah, in the most bulletproof disguise of all time, this very public figure goes, you've never seen me before. Just call me by the thing that means the first half of my real life name. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get the sense that this man has not been in disguise before. Are you Prince Caleb? No. Just call me Cal. <laughs> You've never seen me before in your life. You've never seen me. <laughs> Which is also such a strange thing to, like, it's not... Oh, I have one of those faces, which is kind of a, an overused like line of dialogue. But like, it's not um, maybe, but maybe you've like met someone from my family. I don't think I've read. It's like, no, I can definitively say that you have never seen me before in your life. It's like that's the most suspicious way you could react. Yeah. to that. right. He he's <laughs> trying to like impose this fact on the world. 
<laughs> but yeah, we uh, we're gonna have to leave our 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 gang of three now uh, on the rooftop in the rain, and we'll we'll have to we'll have to come back later and see how how things have gone for them. We now have one final chapter of the section. Uh, we have our our second serene chapter, which has a couple of of major parts. Uh, but it starts with her being obnoxious in court again. And I say obnoxious not just to King Aidan, but also, I think, Toss. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I'm just painting. Like a woman. <laughs> I do want to point out, Brandon continues the trend of uh, uh, establishing the POV with the first word of the chapter, which I love. is great legitimately good, that's good way to handy for establish me. yeah no pronoun Serene. necessary bold big s <laughs> i think sorry i'm thinking about it more is it even more like kind of grown worthy i like i'm thinking back to um Alrian. it's weird to say back to because she was written afterwards and Alrian, i wish more had been done with that character but there was a cool thing of like She's not really putting up a front, but sh she is more capable than she first appears. But that is also what her personality is. And there's like an aspect to that that's kind of interesting. And here, not only is it fully established that um, Serene is not your typical girl, but she will pretend to be your typical girl. But then they have to double down and go, in fact, those things that are stereotypically feminine, she's actively actually bad at them. She can't paint, paint to save her life. And it's like... We don't. You don't need to also have that. She doesn't need to also be bad at those things, if she's also pretending to be bad at them. I don't know. It's 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 oh, a weird God. vibe. As I wrote in my notes, is Serene good at something? <laughs> she says she's good at politics, but she's not because no one respects her, and she leads with the "don't respect me" foot. Uh, good at leadership, same problem, and maybe good at math, but. It's not really important here. We have seen zero math occur thus far. That's true. <laughs> but by the end of the chapter, she does do something clever. She continues to do it by playing dumb, which still annoyed me. But she does accomplish something by the end of the chapter. That's true. Yeah, I, I, it, it's it's just clunky. I'm gonna say it over and over again because like, there's a a paragraph in this early on in chapter eight that's like she was usually good at everything she tried. Which it's like, okay, great, she's a strong female character, TM, but you have to give her a flaw, because otherwise she's not interesting, so she's bad at painting. She's so bad at painting, how embarrassing. And she can't even how use myco sticks. <laughs> my pawn sticks. My pawn, I'm sorry. My pawn, to eat the which is used to eat haiko, which is Indo <laughs> food. How gauche. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, Serene. <laughs> oh, How Serene. memorable. How memorable. <laughs> so, yeah, she has she has found her way, much as we may dislike it, to, to kind of inject herself into the court again. Uh, because she has succeeded in annoying Aidan so much that he just wants to ignore her. And so so she's here. And so we get to see some of the uh, the, the court now. And 
the yeah, we this is the first like political thing that we've seen Ayadon do, and it doesn't make a great impression. Uh, because the 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 scene in question, uh, there is a there is a peasant who had escaped from the the land of one particular nobleman, uh, and has now been captured by a second, and so they are now uh, debating. It, it's it. They they remark that there is no there's technically no slavery. But this is very much kind of the same thing of of who is in, entitled to uh, making this person uh, work for for them, and then also the fact that he's now had children, and so who gets to also enforce work from his children? Yeah, the way Lukel describes it, <laughs> just like um, oh, I don't even know where he said it. Uh, the fact that he describes it as it's over figurative ownership, the fuck does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> what is figurative ownership? Well, it's not called slavery if you just call it sharecropping instead. Oh my gosh. Madness. Well, and then it, as as uh, after we get some more uh, banter about the painting... We we do actually hear from Lukel that the the way his read on it is that it's not going to be long before just actual slavery is legal, and so they won't even have to be uh, talking around this. Yeah, the the moment of what is the painting of Sam has has pointed out another moment of we're suddenly in a children's book, and then we get back to <laughs> to talking about whether this country is going to dip into slavery <laughs> and then we jump to literal just slavery okay tonal whiplash uh, but lukel is is in the meantime is able to explain some of the uh, political structure here and it is uh it is pretty much outright based on uh on wealth of iodon has has moved to eliminate a lot of uh, of in particular landholding rights, uh, and so the fact that he is is wealthy means that he can he can uh, pay mercenaries as a guard or as an army. Uh, he can kind of uh, he he can push his will around monetarily, uh, and only the people in the same kind of echelon as him. Uh, can can really do anything about that and most of them agree with him because he has been very generous to them yeah it's an interesting uh similarity to feudal japan because that is that is just feudalism but uh <laughs> yeah um you know they in japan the the i guess it would be shogunate back then uh just took all the land and doled it out and uh required everybody to come to uh, Kyoto all the time um, and gave the faraway parcels to the people he didn't like. <laughs> March for days, assholes. <laughs> it is uh, one of the things that uh, I also saw in Brandon's annotations is uh, some of the the way that this system came about is that because Elantris collapsed 
so suddenly, uh, there was a, a very abrupt power vacuum. And so this, uh, this power based on wealth became a very quick stand-in because it was something that the, the people who ended up in charge could do like right now. So that's uh, some, some consequences of, of how that, uh, that took place. While this uh, discussion from our, from our characters has been going on, uh, Idon has been listening to his case. He makes his decision, uh, which is that the, the man who ran away does belong to uh, the first noble, the one he originally worked for, uh, but that his children are now property of the second, which is just the worst decision. So, good job there. <laughs> the worst possible one. Iodon is a complex man, cousin. What a yeah. fucker. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, he just got carried away. He's misunderstood. Yeah, from what we've seen, I think the the complexity is basically he's really good at making money, but then everything else. <laughs> but also he's the worst. And then Lukel says Raiden was his best friend, but apparently this wasn't reciprocal because Raiden doesn't even know his wife's name. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they uh... barely had time to meet and spend time together and shake hands and get to know each other. How is he supposed to remember her name? <laughs> My gosh. I don't know, maybe it's one of those friendships where it's like, you know, haven't seen you in five years, spent all day catching up uh, with each other. You know, how's his family? No idea. We never talked about it. <laughs> but they don't spend five years apart. They regularly meet at yeah, those meetings no. that have been mentioned. Yeah. God. <laughs> that reminds me of the fact that uh, when I checked uh, with my parents, um, Justin and I have been friends since 2004 and our parents have never met yeah <laughs> true fact it's it's so strange i don't understand why do you know justin's wife's name yes <laughs> i don't want to dox fair, yeah no fair i'm not saying you should say it but it's you're a better friend than uh uh Rayo did is that's the main thing there you that's go the bar has been passed <laughs> But yeah, Lukel has, uh, I feel like this is the first time that we've really seen someone else in Aralon talking about Raiden in this kind of positive manner. Like, we've heard that he was well-liked, but it, the interaction with his family was notably not one of mourning. Like, neither the king or queen seemed to really care uh, and, and so this is, I think this is kind of refreshing of, of Luke Hell saying, yeah, he was, he was a, a good person and I miss him. It is, it, it, it's very nice, but it also is a very drastic change of pace of he's my best friend and also the greatest man I've ever known. <laughs> really talking him up. And then Beth, you were talking earlier about like, okay, well, we have this really strong, good, nice character. We need to give him a flaw. And very nope. directly, Serene goes, did he have any flaws? And Lukel goes, he was bad at playing cards. But then, some, like three lines later, it's like, he would lose a game of Tuladoo because Tool. he knew I got a thrill from it. 
So was he even bad at cards, or was he no. just always throwing the game? He's perfect. He's just a very kind friend. I really wanted, like, a POV of Serene going, Oh, she didn't even know how to play Toodledoo. How embarrassing. <laughs> so we, we also hear about, uh, there was at least some uh, tension in the, the, the court politics, in that Raiden was apparently uh, somewhat openly opposed to uh the things that his his father was doing uh so definitely some conflict there uh and we also hear we yeah we we have a it feels very much at this point like uh ellen's little uh little politics gang of apparently there was a uh a, a group that had been forming and and talking about what was going on that raiden was kind of the, the center of uh, and we we find that uh, Keen is also involved. So we we do have uh, another kind of in there between Keen and Lucal. I do think it is a, uh, a a kind of interesting consequence of the the political system here, uh, in that Iodon has has tied political power very much to personal wealth. Uh, and then has kind of tied that all together by uh, bestowing titles on people, uh, and Keen gets to gets to subvert that just by being wealthy and refusing Iodon. In that there's he's he's the as far as we can tell the only one who has, uh, but just by by just refusing to accept this title, he has he has thrown a bit of a wedge into the system here. Yeah, I thought that was a fun little loophole. He's basically part of the royalty and aristocracy, but he refuses to technically be a part of it, and thus the kind of arbitrary distinction between all these different classes is damaged by the fact right. that he refuses to do that. And he's not well-liked because he's a rascal with no respect for knights or anyone. A scoundrel. <laughs> Nobody got my reference. Sorry. Potion seller. <gasps> Your strongest potions? You're a rascal. With no <laughs> respect for knights. That video is too powerful for me to watch too often, so I don't remember all of it. God bless Justin Kritzkis. Who we've researched on this podcast. Podcast lore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It continues. Phylon was the potion seller. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucker. Mike. In my casting, what a fucker! Iodon, a man after his own heart. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. So we uh, we hear about some of the uh, the rest of the uh, the the people of the the court here, the ones that Lukel knows. We have uh, we're we're looking at. Um, Serene asks what is probably a good question of. What's the line of succession if Raiden is dead? Uh, and Lukel says, "Well, he he he'll probably have more kids, so that could be. Uh, but also, right now, it would be one of the other powerful and wealthy dukes, uh, Telri or Roial. Uh, and Telri is here and is gaudily wealthy." <laughs> We've also heard the name Royal before. 
That is the last name that Rayo didn't very quickly mention in terms of, man, I hope the group stays together. Um, so presumably, Royale is, is, would be a, a much more preferable option to Tori mm-hmm. if he is part of the crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of the, uh, the, the crew, uh, Serene wants to, wants to meet them. And uh, apparently that has kind of fallen apart. They haven't really been been doing much since Rayodin died. Uh, which, it's funny to say that because he hasn't. But from the perspective <laughs> of this chapter, that that is the truth. Or maybe he has. We haven't seen the exact mechanics of becoming an Elantrian. It's also just a, it, it's a, a weird interaction of, do they ever meet? No, we're meeting in two days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Lukel's getting a little ahead of himself of we're probably not going to meet again. So I guess it's almost true. But yeah, if you have a meeting planned, then do they ever meet? No is just wrong. <laughs> and uh, Serene wants to come. Uh, Lukel is is a little hesitant. He says these are, these are pretty private. This is... You know, it's it's probably not actually treason, but there's some shades of it there. Uh, Serene points out that, well, if it's the last meeting, what are they going to do? Not come anymore? <laughs> so they uh, there there will perhaps be be some sort of a uh, meeting there in the near future. And then it's time for lunch. It's lunchtime. I do have one last thought on that scene, which is, again, it just feels a little bit clunky. I don't love that her all of her spy work and information gathering is but done by playing dumb, but I think I like it even less that she she just has all the information told to her by a conveniently friendly uh a, like other character. She doesn't in this section she doesn't do anything clever aside from be in the room by pretending to paint. She never she doesn't like she overhears the thing about the dukes, but that's not all that important aside from showing that. Iodon is a dick, and then she's like, what's the deal with Iodon? And she doesn't actively do anything to find out information. Lukel just tells her for five straight minutes everything that's going on. In a conversation that is kind of wild to have in the court. Yes, unprompted almost. Because, yeah, because Lukel actively walks up to them. It's not like she says, oh, Lukel, he might be a good ally. I'll go talk to him. She's talking with Ash, and Lukel just butts in is like, I'm going to tell you everything I know about how sucky of a king this guy is. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's just, uh, there are multiple things contributing to the clunkiness here, but that was another thing that bothered me a little bit. All right, and then we, we then return to Keen and his family, so we get some lovely time with the kids again. <laughs> and Jala and Lukel kiss, and Serene is gritting her teeth with envy that somebody gets a kissy, but not her. <laughs> yeah, like again, like her. She apparently talked with Rayodin quite a bit, and they seemed to like each other. And from her perspective, he's dead, so there's a tragedy here. But, but also, yeah, like be happy for this is your extended family. Ah. Uh. Uh, just as the the scene continued on here, I I just wrote in my notes, uh, your husband is missing, Serene. Your husband is dead, and you think it's a mystery, and you don't care sometimes. <laughs> here, the only thing you miss is his 
is the possibility of getting kisses from him. But maybe you could if you... Uh, or, like, maybe he was murdered. I don't know. Do something. Hey, she thought about it a page ago with growing suspicion. And then was done with that. <laughs> it's lunchtime. She just flits about. It's lunchtime. Thing thing. He's serving Fjordal Revertus. Rev which you do Just not Harry meet Potter's my pawn sticks for. <laughs> we have a uh, a return to Serene's miserable painting skills. Uh, and then this is definitely peak intelligent but obnoxious children. <laughs> which I having having read Brendan's note on you know, I, I was tired of child prodigy characters who are just like adults but but children i i do kind of appreciate this scene of like wow these kids are obnoxious <laughs> also having been a quote-unquote smart kid like i i hope this wasn't me <laughs> that does i do like that logic of like even if you have a child prodigy like they're gonna use all of their smarts to make fun of their siblings <laughs> <laughs> right, or to try to show off, or all, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Although I will say, um, it it has been my philosophy for years that you know you've truly mastered a language when you no longer need to be polite. Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know if that has anything to do with it, just using it to swear. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Curse words are some of the first words I learn every single time I learn language. Oh. I mean, she is young. Maybe she's just like, cut to the chase. I don't need to know how to say the word spoon. I need to know how to say the word fill in the blank. <laughs> Let's see. Where do we go from here? We have, yeah, we, we have the uh, the kids arguing with each other. Uh, we have, here we have Serene thinking about her marriage. You see? She, she does remember. She thinks. Anyways... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she thinks wistfully of her husband who she thinks was murdered and apparently has moved on from that theory or something I don't know what are you doing Enie <laughs> well we shall see and then pretty much from there we have uh, we have uh, Lukel and, and Jala heading out uh, we have Serene deciding that She's going to go see Elantris, so we now get the the other near interaction, uh, and then uh, the kids are going to tag along, because I, I definitely can see uh, uh, Keen going, great, can get them out of my hair for a bit. Here, go show your cousin around town. Go visit the zombie city. Exactly. It's fun entertainment for all. Have fun, children. So yeah, we we find ourselves once again uh, at the the walls of Elantris, and here we have uh, we have Serene remarking on the oddity of building gigantic walls with stairs on the outside, uh, in that they are they are not a defensive structure, but they are they're a separator, they're a barrier to keep the the Elantrians kind of distinct. She also, just to emphasize just how magical the Elantrians are, there was the cool detail of 
the walls are all made of one massive rock it seems like Mm -hmm. it's not like bricks or anything um i thought that was pretty cool yeah definitely a uh, a cool image yeah look the awesome aeons on the wall uh carved in massively um and it made me think like what if the curse what if the riad is because someone fucked up an aeon on the wall like they scratched it on accident just accidentally graffitied an aeon <laughs> one of the large impractical spears just scraped through one of them <laughs> whoops <laughs> god damn it jim i knew these spears were a bad idea it's kind of like a car mechanic or a, or a computer repair person. Like, there's a hundred thousand moving parts here. Which one broke? Which one's blue screening it? Yeah. Oh God, you'd have to debug that. <laughs> Which, uh, like, on on the one hand, is like I'm I'm definitely taking a bit of time from my workday where I program computers to record this <laughs> podcast. But like, also that kind of sounds cool. Like I I I think Andor sounds neat in the way that you can you can build these apparently very complex effects by by stringing together lots of of aeons that do specific things. Maybe all the lanterns just needs one giant debug. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it reminds me of my friend who uh, was at one point playing Oblivion and had gotten to the part or the point rather where he was so overpowered that nothing mattered. And he made a spell that uh, was like a fireball spell, uh, which had an AoE that was basically the entire town and did one damage, just so <laughs> that he could fight everybody at once. <laughs> yeah, that that sounds like Elder Scrolls. <laughs> Gotta love it. So once uh, uh, once Serene reaches the, the, the top of the wall... We have an, another interaction with Raven, and this is, I believe, this is the first time that two of our three main characters have actually spoken on page. Uh, we know that that Raiden and Serene have spoken remotely before the book started, but this is this is our first actual single camera shot of both of them together. So we we made it that far. <laughs> I know we've been making fun of how often Serene pulls the I'm just a dumb woman bit. I love this scene. I think it's funny. I think it's cool. I'm just like, I picture in my head, like, Hrathen's giving this big giant speech and like the music is swelling and then she just goes, why? And it just cuts. <laughs> I Yeah, I kind of imagine that as, and like the camera pans over to, to show yeah. her and Hrathen's <laughs> like, I, I, well, it's, I, I, I think there is a lot of comedic timing to this, but I, I still this was the this was also I think for me the biggest scene of, I wish she could have just had a smart conversation like flat out, and to Hrathen's credit, he does recognize that she's playing him and mm-hmm. she's not just dumb, but if that's going to happen by the end of this chapter already, uh, you can just have her be smart in this scene. Um, and I think you could also kind of play it like the slow transition of of she starts off mm. acting dumb and as the conversation progresses, she like loses the facade a little bit. But this chapter sure does feature the line, the vice-like grip only a woman on the verge of hysterics could manage, which, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's totally fair. I, I And especially because we've been on the like heels of, of so many 
Sarin plays dumb scenes, but like it's a overplayed already, and we're in chapter eight. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's some there's some good meat in there. Perhaps just a little bit of fat that needs to be trimmed. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, just as I wrote in my notes, I, agreeing with you here. This whole philosophical cat and mouse would be a lot more interesting if she weren't saying it in a fucking baby voice. <laughs> like, come on. I, I do think the the thing that that I guess kind of saves the scene for me uh, is the fact that Craythan does know right away what's going on. And mm-hmm. that it, it seems, I mean, we only see this, I think, from the, nar- the narration. Uh, but both of them kind of understand how this is playing out uh, in that Serene acknowledges in the, the narration is that you know, she is not conducting a proper debate here. And if this was a more academic setting where she couldn't get away with this, sh- this would not be working, uh, but it's not. And therefore she doesn't have to worry about getting away with this. And uh, along that lines, I think it's, it's, kind of cool that both of them know that like this is a debate that has happened before like serene is not making new points here they may be new to some of the people who are hearing it uh but Hraith, that's why hraithan recognizes what's going on is you know okay you know this is this has been studied i know what the 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 lines of argument are here and i i think that's a a a kind of different take on what this debate looks like for everyone else. Yeah, there's, there are some vibes, and again, I, I it's not to play with the same point over and over, but I preferred it back when both people were not playing dumb and were actually having a debate. Sure. It reminds me a lot of <laughs> Ellen and Yeoman. Yeoman, yes! Ellen Sorry, very, I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, Ellen very loudly, like, trying to get everyone's attention and being like your philosophy doesn't match up with this thing that you said earlier so what's up with that um and i really liked that scene and i really liked yeoman and and yeoman and ellen's uh dynamic so i i i i agree with beth here of like there's parts of this scene i really love and there's other parts that i really want to love but i still think it's held back a little bit yeah i think the the ellen yeoman scene is kind of an evolved version of this because there's, it's a similar thing going on of needing to play both like the legitimate scholarly argument and needing to play for the crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but in that scene, they are both allowed to be intelligent debaters, even though there are some points where Ellen just has to throw in a little tap dance to keep it going. Whereas in this, it's just like that that sort of contrast is played weirdly due to serene's i'm a dumb woman right boy. right it's also a minor thing about a 112 according to serene jedith is god so i don't i don't even know what the truth is anymore <laughs> i think that's her applying knowledge of shudareth doctrine right but shudareth is the religion about jadith Yes. And she she says it was an extensive knowledge of Shu Dareth. So does a believer of Shu Dareth believe they're one and the same? Because if Sarid got an extensive education about it, I wouldn't expect that to be incorrect information. 
I don't know. Maybe that's a rifle. We'll see. <laughs> so this uh, this impromptu debate does wrap up. Prathen takes his leave, uh, acknowledges the, the the games that have started to be to be played here, and and heads away uh, with Diloff, who apparently is like visibly furious. And and Serene says it it almost looks like he wants to just throw her off the wall right here. <laughs> it is very funny to me that every single character sees Diloph and everyone is like, yeah, this guy is two steps away from murdering someone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's one on page 115, which he says, you'll find I am very good at games, Gjorn. Why is Gjorn capitalized this one time? I, I, well, Does that I bother kind of... anyone else on the planet Earth? No, well, <laughs> I no, <laughs> no, and I will explain why. It's not just that I don't care. It's that um, it, when it's, it, you know, this is like a shortened version of saying Gjorn Braithen. I feel like when you use the title, when you are addressing mm. the person, it can be capitalized in the same way you could be mm. like, you know, if someone is a military captain, they're just, oh, yeah, that guy, Mr. Phillips, he's a captain. But if you were talking to him, you go, Captain Phillips, and Captain would be capitalized. And you could also just say, I'm very good at games, Captain. And I would probably also capitalize Captain there. Astronauts or... <laughs> God bless. So that is that is pretty much the end of our, our section here. We get a, uh, a scene of uh, Serene looking over the city, and she can see that it was once a, a a wondrous place she can still see the the buildings that are still mostly there uh and then she sees uh elantrians and and gets to to experience that and most notably sees uh, the uh the scene that we left off with uh with Reardon and Galadon and Maresh on on top of their little building how long have they been here like, is it, we haven't, did we mention, did Serene mention the weather? It doesn't seem like it's raining. I was Brad going to say the weather, would, the weather would be a really good way to indicate exactly what the timing is here. I believe the way that it's roughly intended to be is that uh, each trio of chapters overlaps somewhat in that we're we're going back to see the same snippet of time from from the other characters pov perhaps not exactly the same but mm -hmm. this may be like right <laughs> after uh wait they... but yeah no sorry when does it rain it is a trio of figures she sees correct specific yes. says a trio yes. Yes. yes so maresh is there yes the scene in which galadon and um uh uh Right on see the Gjorn is a separate rooftop scene. That happens, and then Rayodan says, I'm going to wait for someone to come through the gates. And then Maresh comes through the gates, and they have their entire chase sequence, and then they're standing up on the rooftop. And presumably then Serene sees a trio of figures on the roof. So the timing must have been insane for Maresh to come through the gates right as Rayodin was like, yeah, I'm going to take a take a look to see if there's someone there. I think there's a bit more wiggle room because I believe Hraithan has been up here twice. I think he came up yeah, he once. Yeah, he goes up once just to check it out. Yeah. But they see him giving a speech. That's what Rayodin sees. 
is he giving a speech? Oh, well, yes, he's yelling. Yes, he is, right. He's yelling to the people. So, he is giving a speech. I wonder if this was his first speech in front of people, though. Maybe it was his second. He maybe he's he gone does... up to the roof like multiple times, not even that we've seen yet. Yeah, like Krathen, um because uh, I thought the same thing as you, a hundred percent. But. Uh, Hraithan ends his speech with, like, a conclusion as opposed to a whimper in uh, Raiden's section. Um, so I'm, he, this kind of ends in a whimper. He doesn't end with, like, loud voice, whereas in the <laughs> other one he ends with loud voice and then he walks away. Okay. So, so. it's two separate... Okay, so yeah, it looks like it's two separate Hraithan speeches. That does check out, I think. I, I will say... Possibly. I. I would imagine that this is the reason that by the time Brandon got to writing Stormlight, where you have POV characters who are like across a continent from each other, uh, he he will frequently just leave out references to time on his first draft and then go back or have one of his assistants go back and fill in the blanks so that everything does line up. Of like, I heard about this event that happened days ago. Exactly. And then <laughs> filling it in. <laughs> as as again, as much as we've been making fun of at this this time, the obnoxious children. The very end of this chapter, where Serene is looking at the Elantrians and Kays and Daorn are are talking to her about them, it is extremely creepy when they just start shutting down and going like, "No, they're all dead. They oh, don't need to eat. Serene. They don't age." They're all dead. Yeah. And then Serene kind of has a panic attack from... Or maybe not panic attack, but she, she has an episode from getting scared of the heights. See, she's not perfect. She's scared of heights, too. What a fatal flaw. How, how memorable. <laughs> Could be. I hope it's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that phrasing is... <laughs> All right, and that is uh, the end of our chapters here. We have now kind of, uh, we've started to, to interlink things, uh, perhaps interlink them too much if they cause us to have this many timeline questions. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, we've seen, uh, we've gotten Uncle Keen and his group of characters, uh, as well as Lukel and the other uh the the little political group that we haven't seen that group fully yet uh and we're i think we're kind of ready to go all right all right uh so uh we have we're into the section of the book where we're starting to see kind of main plot threads kick off now that we've had our our first round of introductions but we're not done with introductions because we do still have a whole new group of characters here uh, so once again, our, our casting segment here uh, is going to be, uh, th there's going to be a, quite a few, and we'll see uh, who has been, who ha has made it onto each of the lists, and if anyone has just been left out because we don't, we haven't picked anyone for them yet. Uh, but, uh, Sam, do you want to, to lead us off with who you have added to the, the cast list? Sure, I'll kind of rattle them off here because there's a lot. 
because <laughs> that's how they were introduced to us. <laughs> yeah, uh, rattled off. Uh, so, let me close my book. Get out of the way. Uh, Keen. Um, I've got Paul White. That's W-I-G-H-T. Big show. Um, because he's big and he's bearded. <laughs> and he has a big voice. I am glad so we're back go. to the wrestlers. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of wrestlers, Deora, his his wife, Becky Lynch. Uh, strong face, statuesque features, auburn hair. Keep the wrestler shtick going. All right. Uh, I like it. Um, Kays and Deorn, I'm not casting because they annoy me. <laughs> Does that mean in your adaptation also, they get cut? <laughs> <laughs> no, they could be there. They'll just be like, uh, 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 like green guy, you know, like green, green screen suit. Yeah. Like a child or something. Oh, they'll be uh, like CGI creations. <laughs> yes, but like really badly made ones. Horrifying as possible. Good. There was sorry. Perfect. This is a the very quick tangent. In the new Joaquin Phoenix, Bo is afraid. Um. There is a there is he plays the main character and then there's a young version of the character who, having seen the movie, appears strangely rubbery in some shots and like everyone who saw the movie was like, it's really I don't know why they had to mocap Joaquin Phoenix to be like a ten year old kid it was weird, and no that's that's just a full on real kid who happens to look a lot like a young Joaquin Phoenix and the <laughs> scenes were just weirdly, um, and he just happens but, like, to be a rubber boy. Uh, yeah, on on his Instagram, like his the this first line is I am not a CGI recreation. <laughs> <laughs> Him and Brett Goldstein could get together and yes, talk about that. <laughs> yes. They would be best friends. Their insistence of not being CGI. <laughs> so con- continuing. Yes. Um Lukel, uh I'm picking Harry Melling. Um mostly because of the eye distance meme, because I picked Anya Taylor Joy for Serene. So I just, I just think it's funny. Put them next to each other, and you'll go. Uh, <laughs> the average eye distance is correct. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, all right. So uh, Jala, um, I've got Mikhail Lazarev, who is uh, in three movies. Uh, she plays Nanook from Wrist Cutters: The Love Story, which is a movie I love, which is podcast lore. So there. <laughs> established um established <laughs> sam loves wrist cutters uh adian a adian uh i'm picking rj mitta who is walt jr hey breaking bad i think it'd be cool good uh and then maresh uh this is a time travel one because he might be dead i don't know uh i've got uh randall duck kim who is the key maker from the matrix is who i'm picturing so uh he is aged 79 and is still alive yay congratulations randall for still being alive matrix was a long time ago okay it's not a safe bet that anyone is alive he's master Ugwe in uh kung fu panda oh i knew i knew the name from somewhere and he's also apparently going to be in the live action avatar series so he's still active Good. All right. Good on you, Randall. Uh, and that's all I got. I don't think there was anyone else. Okay. I think that's a, a pretty fair list. Caleb, what does uh, what does your half of it look like? 
I've got a pretty similar uh, list of who I cast and who I didn't. Um, so for <laughs> Hunky K, uh, good old Uncle Keen, um, I wanted I wanted someone who seems like he gives good hugs and is good at playing a, a, a big, tough guy, but with a heart of gold. So I went with Owain Arthur, who is Durin in the new Rings of Power show, the kind of main dwarf that Elrond is buddies with. Um, and then as Deora... Fuck it, double down. They had really good chemistry. I'm casting Sophia Nombete, who plays uh, the Durin's uh, wife, who's. Hmm. I can't remember the name of the character, but they played a very fun, cute couple. So just have them be a couple again. It was fun. Um, I As Deorn, and I've watched too much anime, I keep wanting to pronounce it Kaisei instead of Case, and I'm just going to keep <laughs> doing that. Sorry. Um, I also didn't cast them, not because they annoy me, just because I feel like those should be up-and-comers, uh, child actors who right. have not really been in a lot. Um, so, yeah, I just didn't cast them because I wanted to be someone new and fresh. Yeah, that's my reason, too, definitely. Yeah, yeah, we had the exact same <laughs> reason for doing the same thing there. Um, I have uh, Lakeith Stanfield as Luke Hell. I'm curious if I might be hitting the Lakeith button too soon because he's a very, very good actor, and I hope I'm not giving him a, a, a too minor of a role. Um, but I don't know. We need a hot boy in that role. That's the vibe I get. So I'm giving it to Lakeith. <laughs> um, I'm gonna put Catherine Waterston as Jala, aka the only redeeming part of the Fantastic Beast movies. Um. And as Adian slash Aiden, I do have Aiden Gallagher, who is in Umbrella Academy, a show I have not seen, but I've seen pictures of him and his face, <laughs> the face I imagined when I read about Adian. So that. <laughs> um, for uh, Maresh, I am casting a little bit younger. Uh, as opposed to some of my other main characters where I cast older. Um, I have Griffin Matthews, who played the costume maker in She-Hulk. I don't necessarily want to typecast him as a sassy clothing designer, but also I think he'd be very good and fun in this role. Did you already cast that guy in Surely not. Surely not. No, Surely I did. Ah! I, I cast him as I cast him as the lad. Of course the lad. <laughs> yes, you did. Feldu's lad. Fel Sorry, Fed continue. Fed yeah. Not Fedre. That's the that's the aqueduct. That's Lord. the canal guy. Yes. Um and I do have one more because we do we don't get much of him, but we do briefly see Duke Tellery. Um That's true. Who's a big old rich fancy guy. And I'm getting Steven Root vibes from him. I feel like Steven Root could probably pull off this role pretty well. Which, again, that's a big button to press, because Steven Root, you could put in a lot of places and he'd do a great job, but I'm doing it. I'm putting Steven Root there. <laughs> okay. I have an addition to my always very serious casting list. Oh boy, do tell. Uh, which is that I'm casting Keen as the animated version of Kingpin from Spider-Verse, because <laughs> the way they describe the proportions of this man, that's all I could think of. <laughs> he is built like a brick house. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Great, glad uh, we glad we got your contribution <laughs> there, Beth. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. Uh, yeah, our our cast list. It's it's funny. I should compare these. 
because uh, the the cast list is on the same spreadsheet as the the chapter breakdown, and so it it grows very quickly and then it will kind of taper off. Uh, but if you try to line things up, our cast list covers like almost the entire first half of the book at this point, just because we've had all these characters. Like it doesn't actually line up that way, but that's what it looks like visually. So we have uh, we have quite a crew thus far. Yes, quite a crew indeed. <laughs> Looking over to the other part of this uh, complex notes spreadsheet, uh, we can look forward again. Uh, the The predictions that we had in our first episode, I think, were were definitely too long term. Uh, I, I think both Sam and Caleb, you were looking for kind of big broad plot arcs and not anything specific that was coming up so we haven't seen anything positive or negative on those yet uh but we do have some some more info now now that our characters have started to to uh to interlink so i'm curious what uh we think might happen going forward all right let's dive right in now that a plot is established and i have something to work off exactly of. Yay! Um, Alright, so, starting from the top of my notes here. Uh, if we're doing the Evan Teo is actually a bad guy twist, I'm throwing my book onto Zug Island. Um, we know that Keen was exiled for some reason. Um, it seems like he was a scoundrel is not a potent enough reason to exile somebody. Like disown and disavow them and never talk of them again. Uh, so I don't know. Either Keen did something real bad or Evan Teo, secretly a bad guy. I don't know. Um, I hope it's not too much to ask for a good father figure to exist in Brandon's universes. I think that'd be great if if there was a universe where Brandon wrote a good father. So there you go. Um, all right. Moving forward, uh, I think Tellery is eventually going to take power. Uh, this is telegraphed too much by Lukel to not happen. Um, and then what happens when he does, I don't really know. Uh, but it'll probably be bad. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, going forward, uh, Diloph is going to fuck over Hraithen. Uh There's pointed rage, and then there's unfocused rage. Um, and it feels like this is pointed rage. And if it gets pointed in the wrong direction, it's going to bite him in the butt. Um, uh, I don't think he'll try to kill Hraithen, but I do think he'll steer enough followers away from him that he'll, like, he'll be like, you're a blasphemer, I'm going to lead people the right way. Um, and he'll steal enough followers that Hraithen will have to do something drastic to get those followers back. Um... And given that Hraithen uh, and Serene are on the cover and are not in the act of killing each other, uh, I imagine one of them is going to switch sides, uh, and I can't really imagine Serene would be terribly likely to do so. So uh, maybe Hraithen will be like, let's be more reasonable and be switch people to the good side. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, Diloph going to fuck over Hraithen. Um, let's see. Uh, Elantrians are going to become Elantrians again, uh, just in time, of course. Um, I think this is going to be tied to Rayodin learning about Aeons. Um, this is 
This is a wild shot. This is a probably what happened would be interesting. But uh, I think it'd be interesting if Hraithan was forced to reckon with his dehumanization of Elantrians and ends up shielded too. Mm. Um, but he doesn't have Aralon blood. So I don't know how that works. But I think it'd be very ironic and delicious. So <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, second to last one. Last one's a shit post. But the second to last one is not. Um, Rayodin is eventually going to figure out Aeons improbably. Uh, it appears his focus is on getting out, so we'll probably use something to let him get out without being detected and find his wife and find his friends. I don't know if there's an Aeon of invisibility or one of disguise or one of teleportation. I don't know. I imagine they exist. Uh, so I think that... Um, the safest route would probably be Disguise if he's using the Aeons. So we'll kind of creep out. Um, let me see. Uh, I don't know if he saw Serene. Uh, I think the preaching thing we saw in Chapter 7 was an earlier time. Um, but I know she saw him, and they know about each other. And presumably what the other looks like based on the Seon calls they had. So he might be able to find her. Um, do something there. Uh, I don't think it's going to be through the well. Sorry, well. <laughs> Why bring it up? Brandon is expert at bringing up wells and then ignoring them. So maybe <laughs> maybe the well was pointless. That's his specific focus. I'm going to put a well in this book and then not do anything with it. <laughs> this will show them. Little twist. Uh, and then my final shit post here is uh, some of these million motherfuckers are gonna die <laughs> uh, when you set up so many people. Some of them have to die. <laughs> it, it would annoy me if everybody was like, "We all got out in one piece." We're we're uh, every all two hundred forty six characters we've established. I just kidding. It's not two hundred forty six. It is. Oh god. You do have a list of all of them. <laughs> 29. 29. 29. Uh, of which so yeah. 21 of them have been either cast or distinctly not cast by at least one of, of you. Yes. Also, so. I have written down this prediction as please reduce the cast list. <laughs> please reduce. <laughs> Call the herd. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Anyway, that's it. All right. Yeah, this does seem like a, a few more focused things now that we have more to, to go off of. So uh, we'll see if we get to start checking in on some of those sooner than like the very end of the book. Yeah. Although I am adept at the sniper shot, so maybe. I don't know. We will see. We'll see. All right. Uh, Caleb, what do you have for us today? All right. I got a uh, grab bag of random things. Um, before I forget, I'm just going to... I'm not putting a ton of chips on this, but I do think it would be really cool if they did use the well to escape. Um, and they just counted on, well, we can't drown because we're Elantrians. Um, so I think that would be cool in a kind of like 
horrifying existential way of having to navigate the river beneath a well while feeling the act of drowning but not dying i feel like brandon could be good at that and i think that would be interest an interesting read so i, I don't know if that's going to happen but i'm a fingers crossed for that um we are in the stage of world building where i can't tell what's world building and what to be what's meant to be like foreshadowing um because there's a lot of thing of like, oh, Jala is Fjordel? No, she's Svordish. But Svordish is basically like a subset of Fjordel at this point. I have no idea if that's meant to be important or not. Um, so again, not a ton of chips on this. But maybe Jala is a spy. I don't know for sure, but it's, it, it's possible. Um, I am remembering Farukami, and uh, I am going to make an official guess that there are two magic systems at play here. Um, there's Aeon Door, and then I still think there was something kind of off about Galadon, um, last episode when he was like, his eyes were glazing over and he seemed to be thinking about things that he shouldn't necessarily know. Um, so I think he has that magic system, and I think Adian is probably doing the same thing. I think there's something magical with Adian, um, and he is doing, say, he's, he's doing the same thing that Galadon was doing, whatever it is. I don't have enough information to, um speculate too much but something's going on there um it is really weird that there are stairs on the outside of the city and not on the inside um so part of me makes me wonder if a, there was some you know me and my theories about cities being built for historical reasons that have been hidden from the world um mm -hmm. i'm curious <laughs> if elantris was like originally to be a prison rather than a, a defensible city like someone knew something like this was going to happen because yeah it's very weird to have walls that you know are not they don't have battlements they don't have crenels and merlons but like they function fairly well as guard walls but the stairs are on the outside so if you're guarding anything it would be guarding the things on the inside from getting out and it's weird that the city would be designed that way unless it was intended like that from the beginning um I think Hraithan is going to continue to make speeches about how terrible the Elantrians are, and then I think the part of his plan he has not said out loud yet is I think he's going to try and set them loose. He's going to try and open the gates of Elantris, uh, and everyone's going to freak out because, oh no, the Elantrians are loose, and they're all dangerous and horrible. Um, and that's that's part of his, his ploy to get people united against uh, a common enemy. Um, I mentioned Owl House earlier. Um... Uh, my question is, and I'm, I'm putting some chips on this theory as well, is could a non-Elantrian practice magic by creating Aeons, not with their finger, but by some other means, like, I don't know if carving would help at all, or, or you can just, like, get a different light source that can, like, leave a trace of light and draw Aeons like that. Um, that, would be, that would be very cool. Yeah, let's get some glow sticks in here. Um... I don't know. That'd be very cool. It'd be cool if, you know, I. it feels very Brandon and also could be a fun uh, addition to the plot if, like, Serene finds a way to use Aeons, even though she's not uh, Elantrian. Um, so got my fingers crossed for that. Um, it was mentioned briefly that Rayodin had his leg healed by Elantrian magic when he was young, and his father was against it. And I'm curious... If being affected by Elantrian magic means you're also kind of maybe kind of infected in a way, and that's the reason 
the shade eventually uh came for him is because he he got he got magic to heal his leg and so now the magic is in him um and it eventually corrupts him um i i do think galadon is using some kind of magic however i also think he has actually been in elantris for a long time and my my new theory is that he was one of the kind of servant class within elantris um or i don't know if they were in elantris or always outside of it but he's i think he has spent time in elantris prior to um the riyadh uh and that's why he mysteriously knows so much about it and he, there's a line in this section where he he clarifies i didn't spend all my life in Duladel. um I, I feel like there has to be an explanation for how he knows how much he knows it might be the magic that i keep mentioning but i think it also would be interesting if um he he has been in elantris for a lot longer than he's letting on um very minor theory uh Raiden takes all of uh Mar maresh's food and as he tucks a certain morsel of food into his belt i think he's he's holding on to the beef so he can use the beef for later um for more negotiations um this one's a this ooh, one's a contract renewal yeah ooh, <laughs> maybe yeah um this one's a weird one because it's it is back of the book so it's i think it's technically fair game but it feels like kind of a spoiler but then it's also a deleted scene so i don't know what's gonna happen with it the back of the book does mention a scene that's titled The Mad Prince. So my theory is that Raiden is eventually going to get so many like nicks and, and pains that he will start to become unstable. I don't know if he's going to go full on insane, um, but he, he's making a big deal. Like, don't let the pain get to you. I don't think he will be able to maintain that for the entirety of the book. Um, the fact that it is a deleted scene is really interesting, but... Um, I don't know. It would be really interesting if he ends up being like the main bad guy by the end of it because he goes insane because he seems like such a decent person right now. I will put a couple of chips on that theory as well. It's machine gun mode. It's it's Caleb with the machine gun. I'm just putting a little bit of chips on everything today. Oh god, he's got a machine gun. Hell yeah. Um, another really minor theory. I'm just going to go ahead and guess that they do use the leather bound books to make their shoes because I think that a fun little connection between the information we already have and what they're trying to do um so they're going to use galadon's books to get their shoes um i mentioned that it seems like eodon wanted rayoden gone so part of me thought like was he intentionally somehow given the shayad but it's clarified eodon did not want him to get elantrian magic so I think this might be kind of a red herring situation where it seems like Eodon purposefully did something, but in fact it was um, Raiden getting healed that led to him eventually becoming a Lantrian. Um, and then last sniper shot I've got, I don't have a ton of evidence for it, but they do make a lot of emphasis on technically Serene is now Eodon's daughter. By law, technically that's the relationship they have. Um, so my prediction is that Serene will be queen by the end of the book. Okay, here we go. I definitely need... Th this is entirely unrelated to the predictions being made. I need to refactor this spreadsheet because I've been trying to keep the uh, the predictions in line with the episode in which we record them. But y'all are making more predictions than we have chapters. So <laughs> I, I need to I, I need to redo my, my, my layout here. 
but I am looking forward to uh, to seeing how uh, how this breaks. Uh, I will say again, without any uh, clarification or context, that this has already been a very interesting interesting segment. <laughs> uh, Justin and I's chat was popping off. Yeah. Oh boy, I love to hear it. <laughs> with with the usual spectrum of uh of of uh commentary like kinda or uh he's using the wrong formula to arrive at the right answer. That's always a fun one. I I, I yeah. love those ones. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll uh we'll definitely have to come back to some of the stuff that was uh was discussed this this section. But uh other than that, I think now that we have uh, we've concluded uh, trying to speculate forward, we can go ahead and read forward because our uh, next segment will be again uh, another four chapters, uh, chapters nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. So we're doubling down on Hraithen this time, if yes. my math is right. Yes. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Good. Yeah, it's it's uh, funny to see. Uh, Real quick looking ahead, after that we've got uh, a couple of episodes of only three, uh, and then four and five chapters to finish off part one. And then from there, things just go off the rails, and it's like seven, eight, nine chapters <laughs> per, per episode. Again, episodes all of roughly the same size. Right. So, yeah, we'll... Uh, We'll see. This is this book definitely has a uh, a distinctly visible beginning of the Sanderlanch moment. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, we've got uh, nine through twelve for next week, and uh, until we get to next week, you can find all of our past episodes at alwaysanotherpodcast dot com. Uh, shoot us an email at contact at alwaysanotherpodcast dot com if you want to chat with us there. Also, our now trio of social media sites, Twitter at AlwaysAnotherPod, Instagram at AlwaysAnotherPod, and Mastodon at AlwaysAnotherPod at Kind.Social. You can find us there uh, posting about new episodes, about uh, tangents that we've spun off on. Uh, We'll throw up a poll every once in a while, you know, all sorts of good stuff. (laughs) graphs and charts oh yeah we we got we got graphs (laughs) everyone likes graphs i don't get it (laughs) the algorithm it loves the graphs i'm happy people like the graphs i'm just surprised and confused (laughs) but yeah i think uh we are going to go our separate ways read our book or go do our jobs or whatnot as it as it may be (laughs) for this uh, morning recording session. But yeah, I am uh, continuing to enjoy going through Elantris and am looking forward to, to getting to more of it. Samesies. Yeah. No one tell our bosses we've been shirking work to talk about nerd books. On the other hand, if, if my boss is listening to this podcast, hi, I appreciate it. We were all joking. We were all yeah, joking. It's, it's, it's 6 p.m., a reasonable time to record a podcast, of course. Of course. And you can't prove otherwise. <laughs>